in a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty. All that stands between a city and a disaster. In a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all. What do you want? Um, beer. Oh, nuts, peanuts. I grew up okay. with him. That was a long Thank time you. ago. His father is a preacher. Oh, yes. I see. So good to see you again. A moment ago, I ordered peanuts. Welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven. I am joined, as always, by Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I am really well on this episode. <laughs> I, I was going to say other things, but but I'm like, I, I don't want to be the There's, one that too much going on in your head uh and of course by brian the unipiper kid how are you brian hey todd i'm doing really well i feel like my uh, entire life has been leading to this moment <laughs> it really has i was showing mark before you joined i i have our signed copy of homer and eddie signed of course by uh james belushi it was a serious role so we're calling him <laughs> james belushi um which is one of my regrets that i was not able to come with you to meet james belushi that one time but uh here's hoping for the and i'm also swaddled in my <laughs> probably the most absurd thing four years standing that I've ever owned is this plush, comfortable blanket with the artwork of the VHS box of frozen assets on my lap. So I am ready to talk movies. This is a different episode than usual. Usually we pick up one movie and uh, kind of review that and talk about that and talk about the Portland locations. This one is special because we are celebrating 50 movies that we have watched for this ridiculous podcast so how how are we feeling up to this point three three or so years in and 50 movies deep i kind of feel like i'm just numb to the whole process like <laughs> whatever these movies have to throw at me at this point i, I don't feel anything anymore <laughs> yeah it, it definitely does we now have a much broader view of the movie landscape in the Portland metro area and uh, all the – and so there, there have been so many out? surprises Uh-oh. and – Uh-oh. We lost him. <laughs> it finally took him down. No, but I, I, I think once he rejoined us, hopefully, uh, I, I he's right. Like when we first started <laughs> this podcast, like we were like, oh, there'll be 15 or 20 movies and our list has to be hundreds now long. I think that's the biggest – uh, surprise from my point of view it's just the it, it keeps going I think we reach the end of compiling this ongoing list of films and every single movie we watch it always leads me down a rabbit hole where I find like five or six more yeah it's pretty incredible and it it's also interesting to see when we post some of these uh oh I am the host now <laughs> this zoom thing says oh Mark is back <clears throat> hello hey, Mark, Mark you're back. on he, he's muted though on mine yeah, he's muted for me too. Uh, it says okay. he's muted. I was muted. Oh, there we go. Hi. So <laughs> we were t- we were saying that you finally got taken down by this podcast. I apparently, uh, I yeah. So um, I don't know how much you saw, but it's all recorded on my side. Oh, perfect. But, um, we yeah, vamped, I, so hopefully I won't have to edit this. <laughs> much like many of the movies, this will be intended to be fixed in post that never will be gotten around to. But yeah, we were kind of building off of what you said about the surprise of the breadth and the depth of the movies that we're still continuing to find. 
Absolutely. So what we uh, what we're gonna do, I think, this episode is that um, I've uh, as a as a thought exercise a couple of weeks ago, I tried to write down as many of the movies that we had re- that we have reviewed just kind of out of memory, and I was I'm- kind of surprised I was able to get around forty two or forty three. Did you guys did you guys try that's, that experiment as well? That's really funny. I did the same thing and uh, I, I came up at uh, 41. Okay, nice. Yeah, I, I came up just a little bit shorter than that at 39. but wow, uh, there, there's that whole mid, whole midsection <laughs> of like uh, that I get they're all two words and they're all <laughs> kind of the same. You know, it's it, it is, and I, I once we start exploring, I think yeah. our our lists here. Um, I have made a, a complete uh, uh, best to worst in my estimation, but there is, I feel like there's the the handful of the oh yeah, that's right, remember this one, and uh, in a good way, and then I also have that in a terrible way, and then there is just that lukewarm middle of oh yeah. That's a movie. Wasn't, wasn't Ed Asner in that one? Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> During that exercise, I did reach uh, 22 films, and then I had the thought, what the fuck? I'm not even halfway through. <laughs> like, there's more than 25 films left? Like, that that's all that are in my brain. And then I, I really had to shake and rattle, you know, those titles around and got a few more to come out. Yeah, yeah. And I so I and there was none, like, even with the ones I forgot initially, there weren't any that I had abjectly forgotten until I was kind of looking at my list again this week and one of the movies I guess we could just talk about uh, the top the top here since we're already talking about it was Visions now I know Visions was one of the three Stephen Miller movies part of the Millergy and I remember like very much so the other two and even after watching a bit of our YouTube video of the recording of our episode, which also had clips of the movie playing, I cannot remember a single thing about the movie Visions. So I, that was I the only real blank spot for me. I'm absolutely with you. I couldn't tell you anything about Visions. Yeah, same here. That was one of the ones I could not remember. And I even wrote down, I remember the least about this over any of this. <laughs> well, here, here's what I'll do. Vamp for about uh, 20 seconds here. <laughs> <laughs> what I did remember, but Todd, I, I'm saying this for Todd's benefit, but he's not here. But I went through my notes and uh, uh, Visions, Todd, I'm, I'm just uh, t- still talking about Visions. Yeah, yeah. Zymo was in it. No, oh, Zymo the- was in... Zymo was in no, the, the actor back to the act- oh, oh oh okay okay actor. okay so ironically I stare at my VHS copy of visions every time I sit at my desk so I'll read a little bit of the back maybe it'll jog our did memory you, did, did we buy that did you find it I I feel like did you find it and this is what we watched <sighs> I feel like it was on you. I don't know. Anyway, we don't even remember how we watched it. (laughs) It just arrived in our life, much like most of the. But go ahead. The description is: Dan Townsend has a visions have visions of murder. He somehow sees a serial killer's repeated knife attacks, but his attempt to help the police find the killer only brings suspicion to himself. What Dan doesn't tell the police is that his visions. Uh, in his visions, he's involved with a murderer. The face he sees is that of his ex-lover, a waitress at a topless bar called Delia's. 
So blah, blah, blah. They deem it. Oh, they dig up the grave and find pornographic magazines. I kind of remember that. Vaguely. Yeah. In the backyard with the kids. In like somebody's backyard. Anyway, I won't go on because (laughs) why? But, um, oh, I thought you were going to say something, Brian. Oh, no. I'm I'm just ready to rank. (laughs) Okay. We are ready to rank. So, yeah, what I did, and we didn't. We didn't talk with each other about how we went around ranking these, which I think is fine because maybe that will mix things up a little bit. Um, And so I kind of did it in classic uh, red letter media, best of the worst uh, way, which is just enjoyment or remembering it for any reason. Like, so my my best to, to worst list is not like technically proficient these are the most well-made movies because I, I i still think if that was my list free willy would be number one because i think between it being a very competent <laughs> film you know i i it hits all the beats and isn't a bad movie so um but that's not how i did it i did mine uh for enjoyment or non-enjoyment for any reason so i'm gonna read my top five um i know we were doing top three but my four and five were kind of a surprise to me more so than my first one so my first one is courier of death no sorry is is so is that uh number five or is that number one so this is number i'm just starting with number one so my number one favorite movie i guess it could have gone backwards oh, favorite wait wait i thought we were doing favorite i thought we were movie. doing worst to best oh okay well i can do that as well <laughs> should we just forget what we said uh, <laughs> surprise pretend to be surprised when that comes up again well then should i do a countdown to worst maybe we should have discussed this a little bit more yeah yeah let's do uh number so it'd be like number 45 to number 50 okay perfect so my uh my number 45 is guns on the clackamas now guns okay. on the clackamas was um kind of kind of one of those mockumentary type war uh, movies it had bill plimpton involved that like had all these the the pedigree of it sounded like it was going to be amazing and i was super exciting and it just ended up being just a a, a big bore i thought yeah. it was way high on my list too i don't think it cracked the top five but just barely didn't um it was supposed to be blazing saddles meets spinal tap right and you know, when you fail at a comedy, you kind of fail harder than in other genres, and it just wasn't funny, and it just felt like it was trying to be comedy for a really pretentious crowd. That is true. It didn't have the like the same emotional resonance as something like even even one of the lesser Christopher Guest movies like For Your Consideration or something like that it still has some something to it but Guns on the Clackamas had none of that so the rest uh, going back so and I, I'll preface the rest of these that th- the things that made my worst of list made it because of the Mostly because, just like Guns on the Clackamas, they had a potential and they had, like, I was either excited to watch it because of the pedigree or because of, of what it sounded like it was going to be. And it mostly be uh, ended up being a disappointment. So um, my next one is Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, which is the... <laughs> which Thanks, is Mark. A, 
<laughs> You're welcome. So again, I mean, it had a great pedigree. It was about um, a, a local Portland hero. It had all of the things that that I was hoping would be kind of a forgotten classic that that um, maybe didn't resonate with the rest of the world, but because of uh, how Portland centric <clears throat> it was, um, it would have been better. So that that is my my next next worst pick is don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Uh, yeah, I, I, a pattern that I saw come is like it's almost the bigger the star of the movie, the the worse it is in terms of Portland films. Yeah, um, I mean, and the, how that I one had Joaquin Phoenix and Carrie Brownstein. Totally. How I classified my worst is uh, they should be ashamed of themselves <laughs> uh, <clears throat> because they had a great pedigree, they had the all star cast, they had the budget, they had the story, and they loused it up. Uh, and so uh, my three worst uh, are, are based in what I believe they should have is a lot of shame. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so far, ha- did either of those land at the bottom of your list? Um, no, not mine. Not exactly. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Uh, so we, that was uh, 45 and 46. So now we have uh, your top three worst films. For my the top three film, uh, the thir- third worst film. Homer and Eddie, <laughs> which Aww. I know, I know, which is the ironic part that he is the one that we have our <laughs> autographed VHS of. But it was again, and uh, that one going in, I knew, I mean, just because of its reputation was not going to be all that great. But just again, for what it was with two very capable actors that have been funny and things in the past and, and just, I think... Um, I haven't listened back to our episode, but I know there was, it was a, um, a foreign, I I believe a French director or something like that, but something that just very much got lost in translation with what this movie should or could have been and what it ended up being. I would not disagree with your assessment, but I would just say again, we had, it had the star power. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Um, okay, moving that, my, my number, uh, the next one, my second worst is Extraordinary <laughs> Measures, <laughs> which again, that promise, which it both had kind of an intriguing story, it had a huge budget, it had a giant actor, uh, it, it had everything and it gave, it gave us nothing. Extraordinary Measures uh, was my number one worst uh, <laughs> uh, pick as well. And Extraordinary Measures just came out as a wet lukewarm washcloth of a movie it was absolutely (laughs) useless and boring and i mean so from from the wiki the the description of the movie parents from a biotechnical company to develop a drug to save the lives of their children who have a life-threatening disease like there was... that put me to even that put me to sleep <laughs> totally <laughs> but you know what that movie did give us it, yeah go ahead do you remember i can't remember it per, uh, verbatim so if, if you're thinking of the quote then go ahead yes it gave us harrison ford delivering the line i'm gonna go take a crap <laughs> <laughs> There's another one too, though that's famous, and, and it, like I already, I already work all the hours, or something like that, is also a quote. Because yeah, that was very much Harrison Ford either mumble coring his way through it, or like 
having crazy old man outbursts uh, like, oh, I think it was like, all right, I already work around the clock or something like that. <laughs> just just absurd. Um, but yeah, so uh, Extraordinary Measures, my second worst of the 50 films we've gone through for, uh, already. And the worst, uh, according to me, film that we have reviewed so far, as snugly as it is. Frozen no, assets. No, no, my no. worst. Just because, <laughs> like, even with extraordinary measures, like, think about being like at a family gathering, like after Thanksgiving, and you have to find a movie that is like so benign <laughs> and so nothing, but kind of feels like it's okay. And like, extraordinary measures <laughs> is that movie. But like, there is nothing redeeming about frozen assets and the fact that poor Shelley Long is stuck treading water in this horrible movie uh, Larry Miller doing his best trying to like throw in one-liners Corbin Burnson just fump I, everything about this is including the impassioned speech at the end when Shelley Long has to say things like and man shouldn't be judged on the amount of spermatozoa he is able to produce. I mean, everything about it was just such like a slap in the face for what uh, movies should be. <laughs> so so for, for those of those of our fans who have not watched and watched uh, Frozen Assets, uh, what's what's the <laughs> the quick summary of the, uh, Frozen? The Africa? quick summary. I also had I have three copies of it on VHS back there, so I should have brought that to read the description. But basically, Corbin Burnson is a hotshot banker who is sent to a small town in Oregon to uh, to turn over the fortunes of a local small town bank that he doesn't know is a sperm bank. So wackiness ensues. There's a sperm giving contest that involves all of the men of the city. There are like fractured homes and relationships because they're finding out that like parents are not the parents, but they're also other parents. And like, it's so like I'm 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 describing so, it with some amount of joy right now. I, I know. I kind of want to see that movie. <laughs> right. So, and, would you say it was a misfire? Oh, <laughs> yes. This, this movie was not fertile. It was. It was <laughs> so, yes, Frozen Assets taking my number one spot for the worst movie we have reviewed so far. Okay. Uh, Mark, do you want to give us your top three or bottom three? <laughs> yeah. My, so my bottom three, we've already gone uh, to Extraordinary Measures uh, to uh, describe that one. And so my other two uh, also fall in that level of shame. Like I, I just didn't get anything out of a movie. Uh, Ed Harris as The Last Innocent Man just did nothing for me. <laughs> like I couldn't give you any poignant point you know did nothing about that that movie meant anything to me and uh and on on one hand the, the shame on the other <laughs> hand is like when when people find out that we do a podcast about movies in portland you know always the first question is like well what movie should i watch you know, what what's a, a recommendation of a great portland movie 
is how I looked at the three best. And this was not even close to one of them. So The Last Innocent Man starring Ed Harris. And uh, the description on that one, uh, do you remember? Do either of you remember what The Last Innocent Man, the plot story was? <sighs> the basics of the There's plot? There's a courtroom. There is a court. The two things I remember about Last Innocent Man. First, I think it did give us one big positive, and I think that might be the greatest poster art we have for Portland at the movies because it's like this Drew Struzand esque like painting of Ed Harris like on. And the other thing I remember is that there was some street, and I think it was down by uh, Voodoo Donuts. Uh, it was like the alley next to. Oh it. yeah, he lived. That's right. He lived in the uh, Mercy Corps building. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and they awesome. had like it, it was like horror alley because that's where all the (laughs) prostitutes were getting killed so i remember whore alley and i remember the cool poster so a criminal defense attorney is seduced by a beautiful woman and reluctantly takes on a defense of takes on the defense of her estranged husband who is charged with murder but finds his career threatened because of the circumstances I do remember the other thing I remember about that is like he was like super verbally abusing and almost physically abusing the female yes. lead, which then seconds later they were having sex with each other. And I was like, oh, oh, all right. The 80s. <laughs> so, um, yeah. La- well, Last Innocent Man for me uh, fell almost directly into the middle of my list just because of all of the reasons you were describing Mark. Yeah. Now, why is it because of the Ed Harris pedigree? Like yeah, what out of all the probably, other ones yeah. made it so much worse for you? I, I just, uh, I looked at the list of all of our movies and, and just, it, it had the most promise for me that, you know, uh, other than extraordinary measures, which had Harrison Ford and, and, uh, uh, what's his name from um, Encino Man? Um, <laughs> Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Brendan oh, Fraser. I have already <laughs> forgotten that Brendan Fraser was in that movie. <laughs> Me too. He was Encino Man. Are you kidding? Uh, uh, yeah, and so Brendan Fraser and and so Extraordinary Measures like really fell flat because I had such high expectations for me because I love both those actors and there was just nothing to it. The Last Innocent Man had Ed Harris and, and everything. It just was absolutely forgettable for me uh and then uh the other of the uh bottom three for me is breaking in 1989 (laughs) uh and uh the description on this movie the film this film is about how professional small-time criminals live and practice their trades and you know, live and practice their trades. That's, that's on the Wikipedia uh, <laughs> for for this, and and so uh, had had star power, had great Portland views and everything, and the the story and the the execution of everything was just flat and terrible. I would never tell somebody uh, to watch Breaking In, and. The reviews for it online are pretty fantastic, and I don't get it. Uh, and so I, I may be against uh, the world out there, but uh, <laughs> it's breaking in as a terrible movie. Don't watch it. Yeah, it, it set a really bad taste in my mouth because I think it might have been like the third episode that we did, and like we we were coming off of Halloween Town and Fatal Revenge, and, and then we gathered together and watched Breaking In, and I think Mark and I were asleep by the end. <laughs> totally. 
<laughs> and it was because I, re- I remember our discussion that, that it had that universal praise when it came out. Um, and then maybe, I mean, it could be where all three of us are somehow <laughs> poisoned against that movie or whatever. But I, it didn't make that one kind of surprise me because uh, as we've gone through the uh, this podcast, it's always been breaking in and um, and. Oh, what's the other extraordinary measures? Extraordinary measures, yes, as the as the examples of like the terrible thing, but as some of the other ones bubbled even further down, uh, breaking ended up in my in my high mid to high thirties, I think. (laughs) Well, probably only because it did have some things like locations, like where some of the other even more terrible Uh, movies they didn't have any. yeah, the the fruit stand down. Uh, yeah, Cornos, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. What? I mean, some of the best footage of that uh, location. It was, you know, it was taken down in like '99. Oaks and, Bottom. And uh, yeah, yeah, great scenery. Uh, and so, if you're a Portland buff and you want to see some scenes that take place in Portland, that's the only reason I'd I'd watch it. Not, you know. Uh, not cannonball run guy and... <laughs> not to remember burt reynolds's <laughs> career and <in> spirit <laughs> right nice well good choices. okay so <clears throat> um uh, it's funny that you did your uh work bottom five todd because in, in trying to come up with my three worst i had two runners up so i'll, I'll mention those briefly so of these five films only one of them, in fact, my number one worst film, uh, has not. we have not talked about it yet. Oh, wow. Um, but the other four we have, so I'll go through those quickly. So the two runners-up I had were Homer and Eddie um, and Extraordinary Measures. So then getting into my uh, bottom three, uh, number three was uh, Frozen Assets. <laughs> then number two was Breaking In. And number one for me, the worst Portland film, in my opinion, is What the Bleep Do We Know? <laughs> I, I could have predicted that. I know you had a visceral reaction to that movie. It was maybe the only one of the movies in this entire podcast that I had seen before we started this podcast. Oh. And I didn't like it then, and I vaguely remembered it. And then rewatching it, I liked it even less um and i I, and the reason it took the number one spot for me i think was most of the other movies they at the end of the day they're just movies and they're not going to cause harm but i think what the bleep could influence somebody in in a genuinely uh dangerous way so yeah well remind everyone who hasn't seen (laughs) tell us about what the bleep what the bleep yeah what the bleep is what the bleep do we know I mean, I, I would hesitate to call it a documentary. Um, uh, it does have, uh, it is part of the Marley Matlin Portland trilogy. In the Portland Cinematic Universe. <laughs> the MCU. <laughs> so I, I'll just, uh, it, it's it's all over the place. I'll just read the, the IMDb MMCU? one sentence. Uh, a fictional photographer's quest to spiritually rediscover herself is interspersed with documentary footage of scientists and theologians discussing the philosophical aspects of quantum physics. And the way that it goes about doing that, it so seamlessly blends like fact and religion and pseudoscience that you just don't know what to believe. And, and I think that was its intent. 
Yeah, and and documentary footage of Ramtha uh, being channeled oh, through. That's through Ramtha. right, Ramtha. <laughs> like I, I think a documentary about any one of those separate subjects on its own would be good, but when you like just put them together like this for people who aren't keen enough to you know separate the fact from the fiction, it is yeah. Yeah, and I do remember there being something crazy with the there's like a wedding scene or something like that or dancing oh, there or was germs was or something. Oh, that's right. There was CG. It kind of looked like uh remember the movie Flubber with Robin Williams? <laughs> right. It kind of looked like those flubber creatures and they were dancing at a wedding. So they were having they were having the wedding at the same time the uh pitu- pituitary gland activities were being modeled by three in 3d uh you know personification of them showing you the energy and the the horniness and the the drunkenness and the activities and everything all being uh represented as cgi characters in your pituitary gland wow that's right so yeah i i did have what the bleep do we know below breaking in so worse than breaking in on my list but in the high 30s still so but i think i think because that i do remember parts of that movie and it made me at least feel something it didn't land on my super low list and i think i i think at this point i have a soft spot for marley matlin yeah. Just because she's the Portland, <clears throat> she's the one that has emerged as the Portland luminary star of this. The patron saint. <laughs> uh, so, Mark, I'm curious, where did where the belief do we know fall on your list? Is that just somewhere in the middle? Did it make it high or low? Or? <laughs> just just somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, full disclosure, I used to be kind of a whack job of uh, a metaphysical uh, Looney Tune. And uh, and so that movie used to be up high on my list <laughs> and uh, has since uh, slid down into the the muckiness uh, that it kind of deserves. Right. Well, and in your defense, you weren't as whacked out as the movie. You were able to parse <laughs> all the different are, yeah. things. Yeah. Right. So it's not like you watch the movie and you're like, yes, I'm all in. Or whatever, so. uh, yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So well, that movie really uh, was the the precursor to the stage of creating the movie The Secret. Um, and so the uh, it was many of the same thought leaders that were involved uh at, so that was before and, the secret yeah okay yeah, secret was was uh middle 2000s okay 2005 okay interesting yeah that that then was uh <clears throat> was the kickoff they did have some neat uh interior shots of what was it the baghdad the baghdad uh, and theater then, yeah and so and the uh max station tunnel uh, and outside up, where up you and I zoo. used to work in the park blocks. Yep. The only, I uh, remember the only, there was like a kid actor in that, the kid who was playing basketball. And I remember mm-hmm. him being a very good and capable actor. So that's more than we can say for many of these. So, yes. um, so how do we want to tackle the rest of our list here? Um, I think I, I'm fully okay turning it over to you, Todd, and just hearing the rest of your list until we get to the top three. And uh, Okay, so you want me to go... 
so uh, backwards then from the rest of my worst down to the best yeah. is that what we want to do yeah. okay yeah. so yeah recapping it was frozen assets uh from worst about be- uh frozen assets extraordinary measures homer and eddie don't worry he won't get far on foot and guns on the clackamas uh my next and again as we kind of get to the middle so much of this is just so tepid that uh, probably pressed i could i could move them around but then we get into um chrome soldiers Mm. which is the uh nick i was gonna say nick nolte the gary Busey movie shot (laughs) in oregon city about him and his as vietnam vet biker gang solving some sort of mystery which was just terrible in every way Um, r.i.p afikoto Oh, yeah, that's right. I remembered he was in one of our movies, and that was sadly the one that he was here for. But yeah, Yafat Koto uh, was in that. Um, then we have Breakaway, which was the Tanya, one of them that I almost completely oh. forget, but that was the one with Tanya Harding in it. Um, then we have the two, uh, the two, kind of the, I put these two together, Sasquatch, The Legend of Bigfoot, and The Legend of Bigfoot, because I don't remember anything about them or the difference between the two other than they took place like in the hinterlands right there were two big wasn't one of them more of a documentary i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) it is quite possible i think it felt like it was one of those where it kind of felt like a documentary but wasn't because it was just so low budget and badly done um I, i the only thing i remember about those there was some scene where they were it was like almost cruelty to animals and they were like throwing gerbils or something at a wall i i don't that's <laughs> i think what stood yeah out to me yes there was a lot of cruelty to <laughs> to animals in that um so yes the two the two bigfoot movies uh then we get into fatal exposure one that we just did which a year from now i will remember nothing about it because that was always our joke for how generic everything was was the date was the title for fatal exposure and then it ended up being a real movie yeah because we had fatal revenge and extraordinary measures and And then portland expose expo yeah yeah and so somehow we just came up with the title fatal exposure (laughs) which ended up actually being a real movie filmed in portland (laughs) so yeah that was this this next one was uh one of the ones that were is both forgettable and I remember being super disappointed and that is Ironheart, which is the, um, I forget his name, Bolo Yeon, I forget his name was, but he was like one of the bad guys in a lot of the 80s martial arts movie and it was directed by Bruce Lee's cousin and it's like, oh, cool, like a, a very gritty, you know, kind of t- terrible martial arts movie, but everything about it was terrible. Like even Yeah, the I think it had a, some sort of connection to fatal uh, revenge too. I can't remember and, and the direct there is some sort of tie to other other movies other than <clears throat> I think one of the locations was the same. It was like the interior of some building that had like a garbage chute slide. The slide. In it. The slide so, yeah. makes a, an appearance. We've seen that slide in like three, three four different movies. Yeah. But the the biggest thing I remember from that is like one of the very first fight scenes takes place on a dock. And it's like we're getting ready to watch like the guy do super cool karate moves and he just like kicks the guy once and then it's over. And then I think he picks up a gun and shoots him. And so that was the whole movie for me. It was a bunch of like one punch kills and one kick kills on that one. So Ironheart uh, was that next one. So, yeah. 
Uh, next, we have What the Bleep Do We Know? Uh, that was, an, and I don't have these numbers, so I'm going to get uh, confused here as we get to the middle. I have them in chunks of 10, so this is still in the 30s. Well, what the Bleep Do We Know? Then right above that, How Sarah Got Her Wings, which movie, not at all shot in Portland, Portland but at least had beautiful 4K footage, that it uh, stock footage of Portland that it was able to use. Yeah, thank you to our friend of the show, Brian Turner, for, uh, hey, I found a movie for you guys, and... Wasn't even filmed in Portland. <laughs> he, w- he was glamored by that stock footage, uh, which is pretty good. So uh, how Sarah got her wings, which is, yeah, a terrible. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. I'm going to start calling them out. There's so many that were either made for TV or um, so if I know where they come from, I think that's interesting. That one was a I think it was a Netflix original. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. it was about is a Christmas movie about blah, blah, blah. She has to fix fix someone's life and then they fall in love, blah, blah, blah. So, um, how Sarah got here was then duplicates, which is a movie that we just (laughs) did a month or two ago, which I'm already struggling to remember what it was about. Oh, it was, yeah, they were not duplicating people, but they were implanting memories into other bodies. Right? I'm surprised that one is so far down on your list. Yeah, um, we like that. Other one. than it being a little dry, I thought it actually had a really interesting plot. Oh, and it, like, yes, this is all very fluid, but I think because of the fact that I can already not remember most of it, <laughs> added into my where it fell on the list. So duplicates did not do great. Uh, then we move into another TV movie, which was Payback, starring Mary Tyler Moore and Ed Asner <laughs> and Adam Scott. Uh, which is fairly forgettable. And then I had Breaking In, which is that's where that fell on my list. And then we get to The Haunting of Sarah Hardy, which is one of the uh, two movies that we've done that has been filmed in the Piddock Mansion. Yep. And that was a, a Lifetime original. And the thing I remember about that movie is the god-awful harpsichord music. Do you remember? It just yes. sounded like someone walked up to a harpsichord and just was pounding on all the keys simultaneously. I did notice that our on our YouTube page um, that somebody had left a comment a, a month or so ago, like, hoping that we knew where some, like, interior, like, the guy's lab was in, like, one of the graveyards. So I did not go back to look at what graveyard was in Haunting of Sarah Hardy, but yes. Also, I remember the the um, the, the Pinnock Mansion being on the coast for that one because they, like, looked out the window and they were on yes. the beach, the ocean. which is yeah. pretty great. So um, cool. then we have Love and Dynamite. Which was uh, the second Stephen Miller movie that we we talked about. Um, the first one being Visions that we can't remember at all. Uh, Love and Dynamite, that, starring um, Gentle, the guy from Gentle Ben. Is that the guy or the other guy? Uh, no, um, the the uh, oh, the Wood guy. Yeah, he who always looks at me and nods when I need to. Grizzly Adams. <laughs> Grizzly Adams. Grizzly Adams. That's Adams. It. <laughs> Dan Haggerty. That's his. Dan name. Haggerty. Yeah. Um, yes, I, that was one that I did not, it was in like the 10 movies I couldn't remember. Um, but then I remembered it had that amazing fight scene where people were throwing, um, um, blood donation bags at each other. Oh, that's right. Oh my goodness. I'd totally forgotten about that. That, that movie was very forgettable, but yeah, but that scene except is for not. that. Oh, that's funny. I totally forgot. And, and David that. Walker's, uh, cameo is the, uh, the, uh, priest at the end. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so yes, Love and Dynamite, uh, and then I think um, probably around 25 or 30 here is Last Innocent Man, which Mark has uh, already talked about. 
um, which now now we're getting to my very the very tepid and forgettable one. So we have Last Innocent Man, uh, then The Devil's Keep. Do you guys Ooh. remember The Devil's Keep? I didn't. Uh, no. <laughs> but then once I remembered which movie it was, I, I remembered that, oh, that was the movie where they draped the government building in downtown Portland in giant swastikas. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Oh, that's yeah, right. So that, I, I'm, I'm, as I'm remembering now, maybe this should have been a little bit higher because that did have a mute Nazi albino as the main bad guy, which... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wasn't that a Philip uh, Roth movie? Too? I believe it was, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Philip Roth, yes, another thing that we've unearthed with this podcast. Uh, so we go from The Devil's Keep to Brain Smasher, a love story. The movie starring Andrew Dice Clay and Terry Hatcher. Was she the one in Brain Smasher? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, other than Um, the fact that it was Andrew Dice Clay and they had a scene that was on top of the Max that was kind of cool where they were going around town on top of the Max. I don't remember much from from that movie. Do you remember um, how it got its name? Why it was called Brain Smasher? Wasn't that his nickname? He had the jacket that said Brain Smasher on it or not? Oh, maybe I. I was thinking there was a scene in the movie. Mark, you remember? Didn't they put? Didn't he put his thumbs through his eyeballs or something like that, or crushed his head, or there was some maybe. manipulation of his? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of the scene where the, the, I think a uh, a guy literally threw a bullet, like shot someone, but shot them by throwing the bullet. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember that either. Was that toward, was that at the end when they were uh, having the battle at the like end. Mary's Club or something like that? Mary's Club, which has shown up a couple times in this podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Classic. Uh, all right. So moving on from Brain Smasher, moving up our list from worst to best here is Path of Evil, the follow-up, <laughs> um, the follow-up movie to... Um, oh, now I'm totally blanking on the, the... Harvest of Fear. Harvest of Fear, yes. Sorry. Um, is that the only sequel in this list? The it, only movie that we watch with a sequel? I I believe so. Well, Teenage which is coming up next, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, which is a sequel. But yes, it's the only movie. I think you're right that has been 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 sequelized besides Halloween Town, I guess. Right, but again, but these are the sequels or the original were not filmed in Portland. Right, right. That's true. That's true. So yes, um, Path of Evil. Then we go to Bong Water which was another one that maybe now looking at it should have been lower just because again, that, that potential and that lost what it could have been was so disappointing. It had the A-list cast again. Yeah. And solidly mid nineties and like uh, all of that, it, it just should have worked. And And, and Jack Black, uh, was it Luke Wilson? Yep. Yep. And Andy Dick. Yep. And uh, it was, despite the name, it was not a madcap stoner comedy. No, sadly. It was a depressing indie flick. Forgotten for a reason is a lot of these. (laughs) All right. So uh, Bongwater, then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, which I guess I do remember we heard from a listener that... And maybe I should. Well, I guess uh, I, I believe it's it was a discussion on our on our pa- on our page, so it is it, it is public. But I believe, if I'm getting it right, his parents hooked up 
during the making of that movie, but like the dad was already married and like it was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 like tore their family apart somehow. <laughs> As we all laugh at it. Uh, I'm remember yes. I'm not remembering Trauma. a lot of the details, but I remember that coming out of one of the one of the discussion threads that we've had. So uh, the, the Astoria shot Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, very forgettable and very not worthwhile. Then we move on to Forest Warrior, which uh, did give us that great gif of Charles or Charles Bronson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Norris. That's what I call him. <laughs> <laughs> stopping the, the chainsaw with his bare hands and with his bare hands. Ah, yeah. Yes. Ah. The bear. And him like anamorphing into different shapes. So if you've never heard of this movie uh, in Todd's description was uh, confusing to you. Um, I suggest it's worth checking out. Yeah. Maybe this should have been higher. I guess I, I'd forgotten about the anamorphing <clears throat> animals. Um, this was one of our live shows from one of the Portland podcast festivals. Do you guys remember how many live shows have we done? Uh Three. I definitely two. Did we do a third one? We did Comic Con. Oh, we did. Do we do Comic-Con. three podcast festivals or just two? I think. So we did Forest Warrior. We did um, Defula. Defula, and we did um, one with Greg uh, movies with Greg Nibbler in them, which was the one that you were sick at, Brian. Right, and Comic Con. So we did four Comic Con. So yes, there are four live shows that we've done, which is pretty crazy. Wow, that's that is crazy. Yeah. So Forest Warrior was one of those. Uh, moving on to the Hunted. Uh, which again, just so much lost. It's not necessarily a bad movie. It's just not a good movie. And with the pedigree mm. that that movie came with, um, it should not have been just kind of a forgotten nothing of a movie. That was uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Benicio del Toro. Yep, yep. Uh, and I think direct- William Friedkin was he the one yes, that directed William that? Friedkin of Exorcist fame directed it, and boy, was it a bore. Yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of really good Portland scenes, though. That's true. There's like a very, chase through downtown Portland. There's a, up by the, one of the tunnels. There is a big wreck in front of one of the tunnels. Oh, oh, and Mr. Statue has a cameo in that movie. Oh, that's yep. right. And I believe Jeff Gianola, who also has shown up in a couple of these movies, which is pretty yeah, great. So if you're listening to this, tag Jeff Gianola so he can <laughs> he can retweet this. Uh, so unhunted, uh, the hunted unhinged is my next mm. one, which is the other one that was um, filmed at Piddock Mansion. That was a slasher movie, uh, yeah, filmed at Piddock Mansion uh, from the early 80s. It was uh, one of the infamous uh, infinite, infamous uh, video nasties banned in the UK. Um, and uh, the thing I remember most about it was that uh, at the very beginning of the movie, it starts with a shower scene uh, while a uh, Taco Time advertisement <laughs> plays on the radio. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I just remember that movie being very dark and not like in a in a purposeful way, but in a we didn't like have any light. Poor lighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. way. Which is a bummer because, I mean, the Pinnock Mansion is still just so untapped for a movie like that where it's just haunted and scary and stuff like that. So hopefully that they'll film a good movie at the Pinnock Mansion, but they've been burned several times. So I think that movie ended with uh, somebody falling into a pit of chopped up human body parts in the basement of Pinnock Mansion. I think you're right. And yeah. how sad that, like, I don't really remember that when a scene like that should be... Mm. <laughs> 
like memorable <laughs> very memorable yeah. so yes we have unhinged uh, and then the movie that no one can speak of because we can't remember it visions which i just put in the middle of my list because when i did listen back to that little bit of it uh, out of our episode um, the only thing i heard myself say was i kind of liked it so <laughs> <laughs> So the rousing, the rousing uh, endorsement is I kind of liked it for Visions. So then we have Harvest of Fear, which was the first of the um, which will be the exciting trilogy. The third one, I believe locations are being scouted and the script has been written for the third um the third installment of that trilogy. So Harvest of Fear happens there. Um, oh, that, that's um, pretty amazing because uh, that led to uh, a special episode we did, uh, an interview with, uh, what was it, the co-writer? Yep, Ted Pfeiffer, who is the yep. writer um, writer of those. Uh, and here's hoping, I'm going to keep mentioning it because the more we mention it, the more awkward it will be for him to tell us it's not going to happen. <laughs> we'll be having cameos in the third, <laughs> in the third installment of that trilogy. I'm actually now just remembering how that all came about. It, I, he listened to our show where we just trashed the movie <laughs> and then reached out to us and was like, hey, I'm a director of that movie. Do you want to talk about it? Yes, which was awesome. And he was he is fantastic. I love that guy. And he was there was a great episode. Ted Pfeiffer was his name. So go back and listen to that. He has a, a, a great a great uh, sense of humor and um, and just loves making movies and was yeah, looking to to do his third installment and just stumbled across as Yahoo's to, to saying that this was the worst thing to ever happen to us in our lives. And he, but maybe it was the interest we brought to the movie that uh, inspired him to to pick up the uh, pen. There we go. Let's let's go with that backstory <laughs> until we are corrected by him. So now we're getting into the, let's see if I have to my top twenty here. So we are now Ooh. in the the top twenty. So um, Kansas City Bomber, my next one, which I'm now thinking nice. should probably be lower, but um, kind of forgettable. But then also gives us Raquel Welch and like just an interesting premise of roller derby in the 70s. And some of the most amazing extras we have ever seen on which I believe we have a clip of uh, at uh, YouTube.com out there, Portland at the movies. Yeah, um, we we have that clip. I watched that clip earlier uh, this weekend. <laughs> just uh, all of just, those feral looking people. They're amazing. <laughs> I would say that movie is just underrated in terms of the general discussion around Portland films. I would because, agree with that <clears throat> because it, it is about roller derby, which is like something that we you know take pride in here in Portland, and you know it had a pretty big star power at the time. Um, and you just don't hear anyone talk about it. There's a um, huge you know, Life magazine article about it. Yeah, and there, um, uh, the Kenton Club. Uh, there's a bar in Still Portland. There. Uh, the, the scene was shot in that bar, and in that bar they have a mini little shrine to the movie. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I would absolutely agree that that should come up more, just because yeah. of what it was and when it happened and and the stories behind it. So, uh, moving on, then Halloween Town, coming in at number nineteen, which. I can't say it's a bad movie because it was not made for me. And clearly it has become beloved now that um, the millennials are growing up and starting to assert their own nostalgia. I see Halloween Town coming up a lot uh, in their discussions, which is interesting. My three-year-old loves it. Oh, really? Does she know that her dad was the Grand Marshal of the Halloween Town Parade? 
Not yet. Wow, that is going to blow her mind. <laughs> uh, so next, uh, number 17, Just Before Dawn, which is a super low budget uh, horror movie that I think I put so high, not because it's a good movie, but because the stunts in that movie were so good. Uh, so that was remarkable for me. They also had a pretty good, I believe it's a Blu-ray uh release of that that has a, a really cool old illustrated cover that looks like it's out of like a Nancy Drew type book or something like that. That's really great. So just before dawn, uh, then we hit Portland Expose, which is a movie I really don't remember much about, but is really cool to see. I think, Mark, you found this one and uh, was <coughs> filmed in uh, 19, let's see, 57, 56, 57. Yeah, filmed um, in 56, yeah, released in 57. Yeah, and just is so neat to see uh, the city back then. They had some cool establishing shots, and that one, again, coming from uh, a magazine article, a Life magazine article. The end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> it was about... All right. I mean, I'm trying to remember what it was about. Oh, well, it, it was... Uh, it's following a tavern or owner in Portland, Oregon, who's involved in a struggle for power between two pinball gangs attempting to control the unions. Oh, pinball, uh, right, pin, right. The the pinball and Betty. So back in the day, pinball had uh, gambling ties. And so, uh, and I don't know how that works exactly, <laughs> but you would somehow make money yeah. on that. And so there was uh, two rival gambling gangs and so there's uh 1950s scenes from portland all over the place and it's uh oh I the, thought it was great. um that restaurant uh yeah. the chart house now chart house exactly um, they go there yeah, yep. yeah and they were up by pge field a lot too there was some neat shots of over the city for that one so yeah and that's definitely i think probably on our on our list just in general of well, what movies were filmed in Portland? I think that's a great one to bring up just because of the history. Yeah, I would say it's an important film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, all right. Uh, the next one I have is Train Master. A movie. I liked, I liked Train a Master. A movie I thoroughly enjoyed of, both because of and in spite of all its flaws, its heart. <laughs> Uh, the what it was able to do with the budget it had, um, seeing the the little train place in Malala was fantastic. Willamette uh, or Westland High School and Willamette Elementary was in there. Exciting, exciting sequences of a man turning a bridge with a crank. All of it. The the um, the nuclear power cooling the cooling tower that was that was taken down, like in two thousand eight was in that. A huge missed opportunity in that movie, but just I I I had a lot of fun watching that movie, and and it's one that I I think of often <laughs> with delight. Well, it it does. Um, I guess I forgot about it, uh, but now that you mention it, it has a sequel that we have not yet watched. Oh, what was the sequel called? That's Did right. we know about that? Yeah, it, it's like uh, something about hidden treasure. Okay. The, oh, the kids go looking for hidden treasure. Okay, interesting. Well, well, stay tuned. We'll be getting to that. Get getting to that soon. All right. So we are now, I believe, in the top fifteen. My next is Total Reality, 
which was the oh. time travel one with the lady that I was obsessed with because in every scene her hair was different. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes she had like big poofy hair and then other times it was like all slicked back, but it was an, and I'm forgetting the director, but it was the one that we've that who's done um uh I think it was Philip Roth. Philip Roth, yeah, again. Um so Total Reality was I thought a fun a fun terrible B movie. Are you sure it wasn't Terminal Reality? I wrote down Terminal Reality in my uh, when I was trying to remember the film. It's not Terminal. Are you thinking of Terminal Velocity, which I believe is an yeah, old Charlie so. Sheen movie? <laughs> okay, so I guess Total Reality. But I mean that just that just once we hit Total Reality is when we started getting confused about all these titles because again these are all so generic. I mean, the Visions, Unhinged, The Hunted. Uh, you know all of the total reality just before dawn like all of these are so generic titled that um they're hard to keep track of so oh that was also the movie where they blow up the hawthorne bridge oh that's right that was pretty amazing oh yeah because that was a, a big long shot too of just them really blowing an old truck off the bridge and into the river because it followed the flaming wreckage all the way down into the Willamette. So. And then I think somebody jumps off at the same time. I think so. Yeah. yeah so that's it was good. It was really good. And for all of these locations, for uh, if you're listening, if you go to portlandatthemovies.com slash map, I have collected um, uh, screenshots from all of the movies that we're talking about here, all 50 movies, uh, and put little markers on the map where you can see what it looked like during that movie. So that explosion is part of that. So if you click on the Hawthorne Bridge, which several movies now have um, been filmed there, two explosions. I believe one was from The Hunted and the other one was from Total Reality. So... Then we get to probably a contentious one for everyone but me, but Cabin Fever. And the reason I remember Cabin Fever is because I never saw the original, so I had no expectations. And because of the sequence where the the one of the main character lady is bitten, I think they get is that I forget how they get sick, but she's like writhing in pain and they bring her out to the shed and the main guy is going to mercy kill her. And instead of like just shooting her, he takes a shovel and and dices her directly in the face with a shovel, which just like splits her <laughs> face in half. And then she doesn't die. And so he pours gasoline on her and sets her on fire and watches her die. <laughs> Which is probably the most shocking thing I've ever seen in a movie. So for that reason. That's solid. It, yeah, that's fair. That Being a big fan of the original um, and hearing how bad this one was, it was not as bad as, as I was expecting going into it. Um, I, I did, still didn't think it was as good as the original. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, and I think uh, because I'd never seen the original and I had no concept of what it was, uh, I think it, it, that was, but that that sequence wasn't in the original too. So I thought, well, if you're going to add something, at least add the worst thing I have ever seen in my life <laughs> to it. I still really want to like stay in that cabin as an Airbnb. Or oh, something. that would be, be so really, great. Really yeah. Fun. We realized it was a privately owned, uh, 
uh, place that probably <laughs> will not be interested in our shenanigans of asking to Airbnb <laughs> their property. So, no, no, wasn't it like um, um, a forest service? No, we thought of, it might be, but I believe, oh, uh, Ted, yeah. speaking oh. of Ted Pfeiffer, he worked on that movie. So yeah, uh, right. he was able to let okay. us know where that was. So It was a private residence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah so uh, moving on from Cabin Fever, we have Dr. Giggles, which is a movie that is still not good, but I enjoy... I enjoy it nevertheless. Like it was at the bottom for a while, but just for, I think the, the camp value, how terrible it was, the giggle. The, I mean, I never want to see it again, but <laughs> I always enjoy bringing it up in this discussion of things yeah. filmed around Portland. So, and, and I think it's another one that's kind of important in the uh, Portland film history, simply because it was the, it was an experiment by um, dark horse comics also based in Portland, and they were trying to get into the film world, and so that they started by adapting one of their mini series of comics called Doctor Giggles. Yeah, which you, um, speaking of Mark cleaning out his his office room to move, uh, the Doctor Giggles comic books were were in there. So <laughs> we're, hold on to those. Uh, so Doctor Giggles didn't have Free Willy, which we kind of talked about before, which most people have seen. Um, oh, this one, Free Willy spawned a bunch of sequels, but again, none of them really filmed around here. Um, but as far as a competent family movie goes, I think is is very solid and very enjoyable, even mm-hmm. if it's not uh, up your alley. I guess that goes in our th- pile of things that you can watch after Thanksgiving dinner is <laughs> Extraordinary Measures in Free Willy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number 11 I have is Defula, um, which maybe solid. Yeah, maybe should have been a little higher, but um, uh, a super interesting. And again, going back to our discussion of things that are fun to bring up, uh, Defula, I believe, was in 1972 or 75, maybe. Um, But it's the first and only movie that has that is done completely in American sign language. So there is no dialogue. I'm such a hard time believing that. Yeah, no dialogue, even with the with the hearing um, actors. Everything was done in sign language, which is fascinating. And it is about a deaf Dracula. And so that also was super fun. And it's just super campy and, and low budget and done in black and white and just a, a really, really interesting movie. And it has one of the greatest lines in any of the movies in this list. (laughs) Who would like to, Mark, would you like to deliver that? Do you remember the Uh, the, the quote? um, A moment ago, I ordered peanuts. (laughs) (laughs) That whole scene, yeah, there was a whole scene like in a bar where people were ordering and they're going from table to table. And what we kind of figured out with the movie and with American Sign Language, there's no like one on one translation. Usually you get kind of a conceptual reading of what's taking place. And if you've ever seen um, interpreters doing um, speeches and stuff like that, you'll see that it's a very contextual and stuff like that. So what they did was they made the movie in American Sign Language and then later they must have added dialogue because that's how we heard that. Or was it a subtitle? No, we had the audio of that. It, it was we audio, had the audio. And, and I think they just sort of dubbed 
over the, the, the hands. Yeah. And so it was like um, chit chat going on at a table and they were clear. The actors were just like doing the watermelon, 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 like just saying things so that the scene would go on. And they just chose that for the movie. A moment ago, I ordered some peanuts. Well, it was so funny because you had a scene where the waiter comes and he orders peanuts and he's sitting at the table with his two friends. And then they walk off and then he, he tell, he proceeds to tell his friends that a moment ago he earned peanuts. And they're like, yeah, we saw, you. We were yeah. here. He didn't. The director didn't say cut, and so they're like, "Well, I guess we'll keep on going." A moment ago, I ordered peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely a, a super fascinating movie, just as what it is—a deaf Dracula. But the fact the fact that it was done here in Portland is super cool. So it was a really hard movie to find. Um, we tracked down like a, a really obscure copy. Movie Madness didn't have it, so. We donated it to Movie Madison. Now you can go uh, rent it there. Yeah, yeah, that's great. We're gonna we have a whole pile. Um, once once restrictions start getting keep getting lifted here, we have a whole a whole pile to go to Movie Madness, who will probably no longer accept movies from us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are in the top ten now. My top ten movies of the fifty that we have remo- uh, reviewed at Portland <clears throat> the movies. My number ten is the Vernonia Incident. Solid. Which is solid. Brian, do you remember any of the alternate titles to that? Yeah, and that's oh. funny. I was I specifically wanted to mention that, and that, that, that movie stood out because it had like five different titles, and they weren't just working titles. These are titles that this movie has been released under over the years, uh, and the whole list is um, uh, The Vernonia Incident, Revenge of the Rednecks, Lynch Mob Vigilantes, <laughs> Redneck Country Justice, Redneck Revenge, <laughs> And Redneck Revenge Country Justice in Oregon. <laughs> yes. I believe the joke I made on the episode was that the title was slowly devolving into an Amazon <laughs> title where it's just they have to put in every description because that's what they know people are searching for. I remember it was Redneck Revenge Small Town in Oregon something. It's got to be under there somewhere. <laughs> um. But do you remember what we found out about the director of that movie and what he had gone on to do after after that movie? I do, now that you remember that. <laughs> why, now that you said that, why don't you remind everyone else? So he, he didn't do... This was like his first foray into filmmaking. And then after this, unfortunately, he moved, I think, to Florida, to Florida. So all of his other movies are not filmed in Portland. But he just continued making a, a new movie every year. And they have some of the craziest titles... And one of them is called Fart the Movie. Oh, yes. I believe Fart we played the, the trailer for that. On... Yes, we did. <laughs> Classic. We uh, might have to revisit that one day. Yeah. So, yeah, the Vernonia incident, which um, I now I don't remember what the director was named, but I believe he was a news uh, cameraman before and... The reason I, I like Vernonia Incident more than a lot of the other things is just because it is almost like small town charm the movie because yeah. Vernonia like got together as a community and all supported this guy to make this insane movie out in this little town. And it's it was just one of those wonderful little community get together things that you pretty much have. If you're going to watch this movie, you pretty much have to watch the making of to, to, with absolutely to fully appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the Vernonia incident or just put all those keywords into 
<laughs> to the computer and you'll find it. <laughs> uh, so number nine, I have Sharp Edges, which was the um, do- uh, Tanya Harding documentary that we watched um, that I really enjoyed. It showed a lot of her, it had a lot of video of her training uh, to be an Olympic skater back in the uh, back in the 90s and was a lot of that footage from uh, Clackamas Town Center and and her practicing, which I found uh, super fascinating. So that ended up pretty high on my list. Yeah. And since we're talking about Tanya Harding, I just want to mention that uh, the other movie, the, the, the B movie that she was in filmed in Portland uh, back in the 90s, it was I think it was filmed when she was on, uh, still on probation and she wasn't allowed to hold a gun, even a, a fake gun. <laughs> so that's why they gave her a knife in the movie. <laughs> uh, that is so great. Yeah, I think her scenes are at OMSI, I think, for some reason, which is weird. All right, number eight, Hear No Evil. So this is the Marley Matlin movie from the mid-90s, uh, our second movie that stars a, um, a deaf actress, a hearing-impaired person, uh, which I thought was another interesting connection. And with He Won't Get Far on Foot, uh, the amount of movies with, uh, with um, people with disabilities uh, have been interest- an interesting thing to see. But Hear No Evil, and Brian, you... No, Mark, you weren't here for this. Which one of you are... Correct. I was not here. Okay, yeah. So Brian Turner, our friend Brian Turner, uh, filled in on this one. And it's not a great movie, but what is really good, it's a solid movie. I thought the performances, Marley Matland is great on it. The whole premise of of, um, kind of being stalked when you can't hear the stalker is interesting. But mostly it's because this movie had more Portland locations and like not just establishing shots, but like out and about and like in interesting houses and, and, and places and ended up on Mount Hood and down in Hood River. And like every scene was like a wonderland of like, where are they now? And, and being able to find that and and a, and a fun, uh, solid movie on top of that. So Hear No Evil was my next my next entry for that. Number eight. Uh, then we have number seven, Foxfire which was the uh, mm. late 90s Angelina Jolie movie that um, that was pretty good. And I think for this one really stuck out for me uh, because of the very end shot was that helicopter shop of, on top of the Broadway bridge that yes. just started super close <clears throat> of a person climbing up on top of it and then slowly flying out. And there is just a person on top of the bridge that doesn't look to be harnessed in in any way. And it was just super impressive. Yeah, that was really cool. So, uh, yes, Foxfire, which... That was like... Uh, I was trying to remember what it was even about, though. But I, I seem to remember it was like The Craft, but without witchcraft. Yeah, it was like a coming of a girl's coming-of-age movie. Um, and I'm, I'm forgetting the other actresses in it, but a, a couple other notable actresses. And then again, not the most memorable movie, but on, on the on the pile of movies that we've done for this show, it definitely uh, bubbles up towards the top. So uh, number yep. six, I have Fire in the Sky, which was a 1993 movie mm. about alien abduction that was shot. Um, I forget where it was outside of Portland, but I had never seen that before. And I was really surprised at how well I like how much I liked it. The special effects of the abduction scene were super cool and haunting. And, and I had never seen those before. So I really enjoyed fire in the sky. 
yeah, that's one of my personal uh, favorites, even uh, outside of this podcast. And so, so I guess actually uh, going back, uh, what the bleep do I know? And uh, Fire in the Sky is the other one I'd seen before. But I think anyone that remembers that movie or anyone that likes it, you know, that, that their uh, view of that movie is um, influenced by the you know the, the abduction scene, and <laughs> they may have forgotten the entire rest of the movie. But oh my gosh, that abduction scene! Yeah, yeah, really good. <laughs> and I believe. So D.B. Sweeney is in Fire in the Sky, and I believe D.B. Sweeney is also in Hear No Evil. So who oh. would have thought that D.B. Sweeney would show up twice in my top ten <laughs> Portland movies? Um, okay, so now we are in the top five. Now five and four are kind of are uh, were kind of a surprise to me. Now number five was a walk in my shoes. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No, Todd. You misread that. <laughs> Todd's been abducted. <laughs> a walk in my a shoes. A walk in my shoes. <sighs> the did we? The, uh, that was a Walmart. <laughs> uh, Walmart. Correction, Brian. Produced. A Walmart Procter and Gamble joint. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so here's my defense of a walk in my yes. shoes. Walk, Let's hear a it, walk God. in my shoes is not is not a good movie. It was like you said. It is a. It is a. Was it even? I don't think it was even a Christmas movie. Like it didn't even have the no. guts to be a Christmas movie. <laughs> right. It was a, it was a Walmart movie, and I think it premiered on like ABC Family or something. Yeah, and so it's your it's your very basic a story of like a mom with kids find you know falling in love with a dad with you know other or something some stupid generic romantic comedy. But what I I remember having so much fun watching this movie because at every the movie somehow is both completely generic, but at every turn it didn't pay off any of the generic TV movie um, plot points. Tropes. Tropes. Yeah. (laughs) It would like, it would perfectly set up like this mom is going to do this and they will fall in love. And like, but that doesn't happen. And then like a third character enters and is the love, like none of it makes any sense and is the opposite of what the movie needs to be. Like, I don't even think they get together at the end of this movie. Like the whole, like everything about it was so infuriatingly, like, I I don't think I have yelled out loud more at a movie than I have at a walk in my shoes, which is why it's okay. Boomer. So So going back to my most enjoyable for any reason, not because this movie was good or well done, but I still remember just having so many visceral reactions to that movie. And it, um, insert Picard facepalm. <laughs> seriously. So yes, it, it surprised me as well. But what can I say? I did the math. The numbers added up. <laughs> Number five is a walk in my shoes. <laughs> Wow. Uh, nope. Didn't um, we decide nope. like in, in the end, like the title didn't even match any plot point. Nope. Like there, what, like what did, who's walking and what, what? Nope. <laughs> yeah. It was so, I, it's, it was so fun. I might watch it again. <laughs> um, I, the only thing I can say about that movie is I walk by the, the main house uh, in oh, that right. film. I, I walk by it uh, at least three times a week on my dog walk. That's right. That's right. Because it's near your house. Well, now you can look at it every time and think, <laughs> what is wrong with him? Todd is, yeah. 
So how well where did that one where did Walk on My Shoes end on your li- on you guys' list? Is that just one of those lost in the middle ones or yeah, t- totally and, wow, and, lost in the middle. Yeah. And <clears throat> and I followed the instructions and only did the top three and bottom. Oh yeah, three. yeah. No. yeah so I, that's I, I, I didn't rank the whole But thing. yeah, this was lost in the middle for me. <laughs> okay. All right. So number four for me is Home Wrecker. Do you guys remember Home Wrecker? I mean, barely, but no, I didn't think it would have cracked my top ten. Yeah, so I believe this was another made for like made for oh. USA movie. No, no, no. This one uh, was. You're right, you're right, you're right. So this movie was about um, a guy who was like a, a some sort of Air Force programmer or something like that that accidentally exploded a plane full of people or something like that. And so he had to take some time off and so went to this cabin in the woods and built a smart... This movie came out in like 1989 and built a he smart Alexa. house. He built Alexa. <laughs> and so he builds this whole smart house and... And um, the house ends up going crazy and like trying to kill him. But what was so great is that like if people are familiar with like the mic stand that I'm or the mic arm that I'm using and that Mar- our, uh, Mark is using, that is the hinged, you know, basic microphone stand. The Alexa house had tracks that went all through the rooms and the ceiling and had an articulated metal microphone stand arm and robot hand that came out of it and that was like what helped that tucked the little girl in at night and it like tried to help do cooking and like it would make the water too hot when the wife came over because the house was jealous of the wife and like it was so crazy and so fun and so unexpected and such a weird little movie and a lot of it did predict like what Alexa does like shut my doors and open turn on my lights and close my curtains and like all of those things in this movie from the early 90s so wouldn't it have been easier instead of installing track like that throughout the house for the arm to move? Wouldn't it have been easier to have just like a an arm coming out of a Roomba? <laughs> that would make so much more sense than to bolt it to the ceiling. But if it was on a Roomba, then you couldn't get to the very corner of the room where the arm with holding a butcher knife <laughs> was trying to kill you. You wouldn't be able to escape. So in order for the movie to happen, they needed it to come out of the ceiling. So now that you mention it, I believe that uh, the the poster of the movie had the arm on the poster, and I think that we all thought going into the movie it was going to be one of those cases where they just like show something like that to make it look exciting, but it wasn't actually in the movie. But then it ended up being in the movie, and we were pretty surprised. Yeah, it was like holding a, a broken picture frame of like the family who owned the house or whatever. So yeah, Alexa the house goes crazy and tries to kill kill the guy's wife with its robotic hand. Is my number four movie home record? Oh, but didn't that movie not really have any uh, Portland locations? Really? No, it? it was done all yeah. in some cabin somewhere that we couldn't find. So sadly, no locations for home record. But mm-hmm. um. All right, so my top three, uh, my number three is Fatal Revenge. (laughs) So I'm guessing this is at the top of your list, too. One of our early interests, um, we not only had the whole rigmarole of trying to get this movie from Germany, which we then got in (laughs) PAL format, and then Mark had to go track some guy down somewhere to transfer it to a NTSC Yes, who wants to talk about Fatal Revenge? 
So, okay, here's the interesting thing about Fatal Revenge. It's at the top of your list. Uh, It's in my top three, uh, and I'm guessing it's probably high up there for Mark somewhere. Yep. And we still, to this day, have never watched the movie in English. It's true. (laughs) Like, the movie is is that entertaining that it can survive on a German dub (laughs) and the action on screen alone. Even And our friend Um, David Walker has a part in this movie and his voice is dubbed, which is hilarious. Um, So, I mean, where do you start with this movie? What What do we know about this movie? It was the... I don't know if it was the first, but it was one of the first films of uh, Philip Roth, um, who went on to go, you know, do several movies filmed in Portland. Um, but this one is is ostensibly it's your standard '80s B movie action fare um, about money. Is this the one? Yeah, it's it's about something. It was in something German. <laughs> but yeah, but there were. There were so many amazing explosions in this yeah. movie. Uh, like this is one of those where they went up to because I believe the filmmaker knew a guy that owned property on Mount Hood or something like that, and so they would right. just go up there literally with gigantic explosives and set them off. And like David Walker, who was um, in this movie, was telling stories about how like they built that bazooka fire thing but then it like fired the wrong way and almost killed a bunch of people and i it was a it was a four barrel rocket launcher <laughs> that, that they actually fired on mount hood at a chairlift <laughs> and this movie i think has my favorite scene of anything that we've done at Portland at the movie. So like the, the movie after, like Mark said, there's just explosions and car chases and danger, clearly stuff that was dangerous to do in real life. And so there's this chase that ends up at the top of Mount hood and the bad guy who has kidnapped the girl, like they're walking up Mount hood. And all of a sudden the bad guy picks a woman up by the back of her belt like she is a child and carries her up Mount Hood by the back of her pants as she's like trying to escape and can't and it is so hysterical and so amazing and that woman went on to star as the uh uh, Max Headroom character in the penthouse parody of Max Headroom. <laughs> Wasn't Did it called Max that. Legroom? Was that what it was called? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, so yes, Fatal Revenge, which is a, an early favorite and still continues to be a favorite uh, at number three for me. Uh, my number two film is Back Time which is the first Stephen Miller movie that we found, uh, which I kind of describe as a time-traveling Power Rangers-type movie with uh, robots and creatures. <laughs> Zymo is where uh, is who appears in this. What is Zymo? I still don't know what Zymo is. It was just a thoroughly, a thoroughly wonderful movie made for no money, but they were still able to like come up with these super cool costumes and a fun time travel story that was surprising and fun to watch. And out of everything, I think that we watched it, it shocked me at how much fun uh, that movie was. So Stephen Miller's back time movie uh, is my number two. 
that's I, I feel like that is fitting because um, you know Philip Roth went on to, to be uh, an iconic director in these movies that we've watched and, and so was um, um, Stephen Miller and and you know I would say both of their magnum opuses you know here are at the top of the list yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's yeah. totally that's great uh, and my number one which I already blurted out at the beginning of the show <laughs> courier of death. No, you have to say that name with like marbles in your mouth, <laughs> at, like at driving a, a, a piloting an airplane as it careens onto I. Career of death. <laughs> Everything about this movie is great, from the voiceover of the trailer to the drunken pilot director to the terrible acting to the shots in people's basements to the fact that Dan Feiberger, the guy who did the synth score of that, we were able to meet and talk with him and see his studio and just like what grew out of that movie career of death has been so great. And then the movie itself, just a wonderful, everything you want in a, in a bad B movie is in Courier of Death, and the fact that it was shot around here just is the icing on the cake. So, Courier of Death, my my number one pick for Portland at the movies. Yes, and uh, we must mention the director Tom Shaw, um, who you know this I think was the only released uh, theatrical or, or uh, feature length film that he he managed to finish, um, but it was not for lack of trying, and and he of course played such a pivotal role in the Portland, uh, early Portland film scene um, in, in general with um, uh, owning uh, a bunch of the uh, porn theaters in town and developing the technology that would continuously roll those movies and, and making a small fortune, um, but then having going out and purchasing all of this film equipment that even though he didn't really do all that much with, he ended up lending out to all of these other filmmakers to make these Portland films, including Gus Van Sant and, and the likes. Yeah, um, definitely a a huge staple in Portland uh, independent films of the 80s and 90s in general, Tom Shaw, but then the creator of Career of Death, which is just just a, a perfect movie for that exact kind of movie that you want it to be. So <clears throat> that is my list. Well, that was a good list, Todd, um, except maybe uh, a walk in her shoes, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I needed to have a Mike a Mike Stoklasa uh, going against the grain <laughs> moment. <Why>? So, <laughs> so uh, notable. What about you guys? Is listed? I did I? Yeah, uh, Mark. Do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. For for me, Forest Warrior was way high. So my my top three. Uh, I always bring up Forest Warrior as something that. Uh, Nobody has ever seen. Like we went to a live mu- uh, podcast festival filled with 150 Portlanders, and uh, the three of us were the only people in the room who had ever seen this movie. Although everybody has seen the GIF, uh, the animated uh, little snippet, the meme of uh, of him grab of Chuck Norris grabbing that. Uh, saw with his bare hands and 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 stopping it uh with the exception of that one little moment the plot is ridiculous chuck norris is a shape-shifting mountain man 
uh, and a group of children uh, teams up with him to protect an enchanted forest from evil lumberjacks. Oh yeah, it becomes mean, it, uh, like Home Alone by the end. Oh, it absolutely it's it's bonkers. It's fun. It's weird. It's it's mostly for kids, and so like you can watch it with the whole family. But you see Chuck Norris shapeshift, and, and he's playing an Indian spirit. Which he is, is that's right. He was he the should savior be canceled, to the Native Americans. Like, yeah, totally. And yeah, it, it, so it's it's off the hook, weird, and something that you can always bring up to people of like. Uh, you want to see something about Portland? Sure, yeah, I'll throw you something that'll that'll uh, shock you. And then uh, Portland Expose was my number two, as uh, it has uh, such great 1950. It's the only film noir, like true film noir movie, filmed in Portland. It's the and oldest on this list. Yeah, it's the oldest on the list, uh, and it's it's you know black and white classic with great scenery uh the plot is lacking a, a little bit but if you want to like it's at the heart of the heart of portland and then uh for me number one was back time uh, oh that, wow nice that is uh, uh, just a, a fantastic movie all around it's total surprise and and these uh, especially back time and portland expose I, I especially back time is i feel they took a tiny little budget and really magnified it and leveraged it and made something that was fun and interesting. Uh, I love time travel movies and the paradoxes created within and, and there's nods to uh, lots of different elements of the time travel genre of movies in this flick. And, and uh, you got to see it. I mean, to see, to see the beautiful Columbia Gorge, there's a, a beautiful shot. There's some hill with grass, and you see the river and the and the mountains around it. And then over the hill comes a gigantic <laughs> lumbering robot and a Zymo, who then frolic in the meadow. <laughs> this giant robot voiced by Tom Baker uh, of Doctor Who. That's right. Oh. Oh, what a great movie. We have got to find out more about that Stephen Miller guy, what happened to him, because he only made the three, the Visions, Love and Dynamite, and Back Time. So, Would love to interview him yeah. if we could find, find out what happened. Ah, oh, that's great. Perfect pick. What about you, Brian? That's great. All right. Um, so I, uh, I'll i read through my – actually surprisingly had um, a larger number of runners-up for the best movie than, than for the worst movie. Um, so my runners up were uh, Fire in the Sky, um, Kansas City Bomber, just because I thought it was underappreciated, um, Forest Warrior as well, um, Defula, um, and just, it, it, it was number four on my list, but uh, Courier of Death, it was number four. Okay. Um, so then picking up the, the top three for me, uh, number three was uh, Back Time. Um, I think we all had that. That's in our pretty top great. Three, I'm right? surprised. Yeah, because yeah. we haven't. Other than the episode, it's not like we talk about that all. <laughs> we talk about that movie no. ever. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, and then number two, I think. Um, I, I think another interesting thing about our list is is generally that they follow the same flow, but then there's a couple like personal picks in there. So number two is a personal pick for me, and, and that was uh, just before dawn. Um, and uh, being such a fan of the slasher horror genre, uh, and finding a film like that through this show, um, a movie that w- would be able to stand on its own as something worth watching, um, you know, besides the fact that it was filmed in Portland for me, it was really cool. 
Um, and then uh, number one for me was uh, Fatal Revenge. Okay, nice. Hmm. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So what a list. What a list yeah. of weird. I mean, we've got almost every genre. We've got... Uh, our, so there, 1957 was the earliest, it was Portland Exposé, but we have done movies from 1957, 72. We have done two movies from 1975, a movie from 76, then some, a bunch in the mid-80s and stuff like that, all the way to 2018. Which Did, Do you know which, which year on there is the highest represented? I do. Would you guys like to okay. guess? Uh, yes, there's, I absolutely would like to guess. Okay, so there's a movie, uh, uh, one year that has six movies, a year that has five and four. So what do you okay. think is our sixth movie, the most movies we have done? Nine, 93. Okay, I'm going to say uh, the number one has to be 92. Uh, it is not. 1989 was the most with what? six movies. Um, I believe huh? I believe Back Time is one of those. Uh, 1989. So, Brian, you were close. 1992 was second with five movies, and then 93, okay. 93 with four. So... From nineteen huh. from nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety eight is where most of our movies have fallen. Um, Visions was eighty nine. Back time was ninety eight. Oh, okay. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So six movies from nineteen eighty nine and five movies from nineteen ninety two. So that's a great. All right. Well, we are going long, but while we have you here, I'm going to do one last quiz. So for every show, usually except for this one, I usually have an intro line for the movie that we are going to discuss. <laughs> so I am going to see if you guys can match the intro line to the movie. So I've got a bunch. I'll pick uh, uh, three of the best here. So the first one is, what if you took the best parts of Total Recall, Back to the Future, The Terminator, and Star Trek Four, and put those aside and took the bad parts that suck and made a movie out of that? What uh, movie is Total that disgusting? Reality. Total reality. Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree. That is correct. That is total reality. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one should be fairly easy. From the director of Top Dog, Delta Force 2, Sidekicks, and the writer of uh, whose name is Honest to God, Ron Swanson. <laughs> um, Chrome Soldiers? So, that's what I was going to say. Forest Warrior. Oh, the Top Dog and Delta Force Two was and Sidekicks were oh. also. Um, I believe that I believe it was directed by uh, uh, Chuck Norris's brother. Is I believe who directed that. Um, a gritty drama nominated for two Golden Globes, one for Best Supporting Actress, as well as Best Support Best Performance of a Scarecrow Fright Wig atop an obvious stunt woman's body. <laughs> Oh, um, is this Homer and Eddie, Brian? Any guesses? Oh. Um, Last Innocent Man. <laughs> no, that would be Kansas City Bomber. A bomber oh. because of the the clear stunt man that uh, did a lot of a lot of the stunts. <laughs> oh. Gotcha. For her. Okay. Although she did, uh, Raquel Welch did break her wrist during the, the, the filming of that movie, learning how to thing. Um, it's Lilith Fair meets the Sandlot. <laughs> A Foxfire. Foxfire, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and finally, I'll, um, let's see. Uh, all of the animals were harmed in the making of this film. <laughs> it's... 
Uh, I think that's the one that I wasn't wasn't here for, right? Okay, uh, Brian. Is it one of is the Bigfoots? It is. It was one of them. Yeah. I don't remember which See? one. See, remember? Yes. I told you that there were like gerbils or something that they were. They were like yes, like throwing wall. dogs and cats around, and then like trying to get that on film. That was one of I believe in 1972 or 75 is when that movie was filmed. But yeah, a lot of. A lot of like that we we referenced that movie Roar, I believe, where they um, oh. filmed with the lions and getting attacked by the lions. It was very much in that vein of filmmaking. So, anyway, a couple of the opening intro lines from our fun. thing. So super That's fun, cool, cool. Well, thank you guys for this especially indulgently long episode of uh, to celebrate our fiftieth fiftieth movie watched. I'm excited to see what in the world our next fifty. 50 movies will be as our list continues and continues to grow. So um, anything else, any other last thoughts on our, on our, on our 50, 50 movies? Uh, I've had, yeah, I've had fun so far and I'm looking forward to, to discovering. I, I think when we set out on this journey, we didn't realize that there were this many movies and uh, definitely didn't know that there were this many interesting movies. So I'm I'm looking forward to the next fifty. Totally. Yeah, it's been the, the the surprises, the ones that come out of nowhere that you don't have high hopes for, that you know just kind of stick with you. And you know I'm just looking forward to continuing to uncover those gems because as as we can tell from the research that we put into this show, no one else is is doing this. Nope, we are so <laughs> inexplicably the world's authorities on terrible movies made in Portland. So, yes, I also can't wait to see what's coming next. Brian, we've kind of given you the responsibility of picking picking the movies that we've gone to or that are going to review. And it's been fun walking into these movies like knowing nothing. You send a link and I sit there and I have no expectations and and nothing. Don't know what to expect. And it's often a super fun ride, just like a walk in my shoes. Anyway. <laughs> Brian the Unipiper, where can people find out more about you? Um, I am doing birthday grams uh, again. So if uh, folks have a special occasion coming up and they want uh, the Unipiper to come help them celebrate, uh, give me a call. Uh, check it out at unipiper.com slash birthdays. Nice, nice. Mark, what about you when you're not moving? <laughs> <laughs> when I'm not moving, uh, we have a little podcast called the Mark and Toddcast, and we have... Uh, uh, we talk about things going on in Portland and things uh, uh, happening uh, in science. And, and yes, those last, kind of things. last week but, you did a nice little show about something called the Antikytherian mechanism or device. I can't remember if it's a mechanism oh, cool. or device. Yeah. Yeah. I'll which have to is, listen to that. I, that's that thing that they found, right? And it's got in this, like, Greece. Clock yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, 2,000 years, years ago. And um, I have to tell you, so I'm working with a team of people in. Portland and, uh, and around the country uh, uh, building web things. And I, uh, a conversation came up about things from Goodwill and we shared that. We now have a new little pocket of fans uh, for the uh, Binsworthy episodes that, and, and they, uh, they are dying over uh, our episodes of that. So we, we have requests to rekindle <laughs> Binsworth. That is my dream to have that groundswell of support demanding a return to Binsworthy. Binsworthy, you can find on YouTube, which is a show that the three of us did, uh, going to the Goodwill Outlet bins and talking about the strange and ridiculous things that we found, including the single donut holder. 
<laughs> that mar- that mark with a lock. With a lock. <laughs> so yeah. All right. As soon as we all have a, a vaccine, I am ready to commit to another episode of Ben's World. Oh, I've had a bag full of stuff that I've that I've been sitting next to my computer for three years now, being like, someday we'll get to it. Someday I'll know what to do with this Betty White Chia head. That would be a very fun way to, to celebrate getting out of court. There we go. Absolutely. Well, you heard it here first. So thank you, everyone who has listened. And thank you for the people who are patrons to this show for helping us. Um, put this podcast together and find the movies. Uh, if you have requests for a movie that uh, you're wondering if it's on our list, send it to us and we can make sure it's on that list. But thank you everyone for listening. And here's to another 50 more. Awesome. Bye. Bye. We push ourselves. We work around the clock. I already work around the clock. A moment ago, I ordered peanuts.